Hello and welcome to a very special collaborative pod. I'm Dan from Too Much Time on Our Hands, uh, and I've managed to make it out the bunker to the safe house that is the D20 Board Game Cafe, where I'll be talking with Andrew and Elliot about their top five board games each. Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello. Uh, nice to see you guys again. Um, so, but first, tell us a little bit about D20 and what you guys do here. Uh, well, uh, D20 Board Game Cafe uh, is a cafe in Watford where we come to work occasionally, um, Elliot and I, but it is a cafe where people can come and not only have food and drink, coffee, all the normal cafe stuff, but you can play um, board games. We've got almost uh, nine, no, over, over 900 board games now. Um, and people come and play tabletop games and card games and all sorts. And been here since uh, January 2016. Mm. Uh, how long have you worked at D20 Elliot? Uh, I don't know. I just couple of years. Yeah, I just started, <laughs> I, I just started coming here as a patron, and then eventually I started working here. So yeah, on and off about two years. Yeah. Well, I was introduced to this place by someone who now does the, exactly the same thing, who now works here, who used to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys run events and stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. So we're going to talk about top five board games each. Yes. Right? Top five tabletop games. It's not tabletop, actually, yeah, that's games, a good so. distinction. Yeah, tabletop games. I think both Elliot and I have chosen games on our list that don't have a board. In fact, only one of my five games has a board. <laughs> There's almost a theme to a lot of your games. <laughs> here. So, so we'll get into that in a second. Um, I'm a relative newcomer to all of this. So this is going to be um, interesting to me. And I've played a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of bits and bobs about some of them. Obviously, there's there's a couple of big names in there as well. Some heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Say, so. <laughs> so let's start with one of those, which is a gap in my knowledge, which I know absolutely nothing about. Yeah. Uh, kick us off with Magic the Gathering. Right, there. yeah. Magic the Gathering. Probably the oldest game. I don't I don't know too many of Elliot's games That's that well. Chess. <laughs> I mean, I mean the oldest game on either list. Um, born in uh, the nineties, ninety three. Uh, it's a collectible uh, and trading card game, uh, high fantasy themed, where players make uh, a deck of cards from like booster packs, or you can buy lots of packs at once. But essentially, it's a two player game. And if you haven't at least heard of it, you're probably been living under a rock. But um, I'm quite new to it. Maybe. A year, six months, I've just been playing, but absolutely love it. It's 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 brilliant. Like it is a masterclass on on game design. It, that it is as popular now as it's ever been as well. Just to sh- like it's in its twenty five year plus history, it is it is as popular now. Um, I guess why I like it is because you can really make it your own. So there's you know in any given set there's two hundred and 50 plus cards and you build your deck from those cards and it feels unless you copy a deck off the internet which is not unheard of <laughs> that your deck is unique to you and you've got your deck and it's you you want you can win with it because you made with it but um but yeah that's that's why i like it but the the versatility and the scope of the game i mm. think they they estimate that the number of people that have played a game of Magic the Gathering in its 25-year history is approaching a billion. Mm. So, like, the the scope and the reach of the game, especially now it's, like, dawned into this new digital era you can play online, I don't know what people do, mm. um, it's, it's tremendous. But I think it's probably the newest game to me on the list, so I don't have as much to say about it as maybe a lot of people would. But, but I think 
if you were interested at all in game design, and I've only really scratched the very surface of the game, mm. um, and in, in the history of tabletop games, and Magic the Gathering really has solidified its place on the list. So what, what do they do to keep people coming back? Good question. They, um, they, they constantly print new sets. So four times a year, mm. new sets come out. Um, and they're, they're always crazy creative. So the, they have these um, locations that they return to every now and again. Um, but all the time they're churning out new characters and new settings. And some of the, the deep lore is deep and like <laughs> <laughs> unapproachably deep. But, um, but that and constantly balancing the, the player base and the card base and putting on huge events mm. like... If you if you just Google like Magic the Gathering World Championship or <laughs> or Arena Mythic Championship, you'll see these packed out arenas. Like it's 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 mental, yeah. So people people keep coming back for the for the new cards, for the yeah. shiny cards, for, for the, the shiny <laughs> new cards. It's the, it's the constant evolution mm. of the game itself. Because mm. I uh, not I mean to step on step on no. step on your your game. But I played it when I was very much younger than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I so I found I was found my old cards from when I was a child and brought them in and Andrew laughed at all of them. It was I like, did. These, these, they are, they these aren't, some these of are them worthless. have not aged well. But that being said, <laughs> there was a handful in there that is still, you know, worth money that are very playable in certain formats. Yeah, like you were yeah. saying like this one's been reprinted ten times since it first came yeah, out. Yeah, there's a card that you had it was either Wild Growth or Someone will correct me, but that has been reprinted in every single corset and plenty of the every uh, the the expansion sets, and it's been the most reprinted Magic card. And and to see a, a card that is was printed in the first set and is still getting reprinted, it adds this sort of amazing cohesion to the game. This like unknowable game that's huge. Yeah. I remember it being massive when I was at school and, and just not having a clue what was going on. <laughs> I can't believe you guys are wasting your money on this as I was buying, you know, £20 Space Marines for 40k. <laughs> so I think um, it was one of those things that was just like running adjacent to, to what I was doing yeah. in terms of, 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 I suppose, tabletop gaming because 40k is essentially a tabletop game yeah. that is a money sink. I think if you've played uh, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, mm. even some of the newer... LCGs or, or board games that are card games, they owe a lot to Magic mm. the Gathering, and we'll be happy to admit that's like an inspiration and a and a founding of that, like especially Pokemon. I think it's amazing; <laughs> it just keeps reinventing itself as well. It's been going since the nineties, mm -hmm. and it just seems to just keep becoming this new thing that people stay interested in. Yeah, yeah, excellent work. And you guys run Magic. Yeah, we run Magic for... events Friday nights, Friday Magic. We do uh, Saturday Commander events and Sunday Standard events as well. So yeah. If you're interested, come down. Play my play my deck that I've built <laughs> <laughs> all by myself. Excellent, uh, Elliot. Here's your first game. Uh, my first game. Talking about uh, money sinks and mm. things on tabletop. <laughs> uh, my first game is Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars X-wing miniature battle flight game. Mm. Uh, I had a very similar childhood to you with investing a lot of money in Warhammer. Mm. and fast hordes of plastic. So <laughs> yeah. I have a... I'll paint have, it all eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a deep love of moving little things around a table mm. and going pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I found... Uh, X-Wing came out. 
the watching the Star Wars films, I always really enjoyed the fighty bits. Yeah, like X wings swooping in and Tie fighters and space space stations mm. and mo- not things that are moons, but not moons. So. <laughs> I mean, that is known <laughs> to be fair. So, yeah. but yeah, so you've uh, you've got this these squadrons. You have your rebel guys, so you get like an X wing, and this X wing, it's got you get the card for Luke Skywalker. So mm. Luke Skywalker is piloting this X-Wing. He costs this number of points. You have 200 points to spend. The better your pilot is, the more it's going to cost. So you could have Luke Skywalker and like one other guy flying around, or you could have just a whole swarm of just generic Y-Wing pilots mm. who just explode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I love the... the the your own spin that you can put on your thing. Yeah. So I don't really have much interest in the later uh, films but I really enjoyed the original trilogy because those are the ones I grew up on mm. so I put out Y-Wings and X-Wings and I basically formed the, the guys out of the uh, attack on the Death Star so I've, yeah. got my, I've got my little red squadron got my little gold squadron and, that, <laughs> and that's what I put up, put down on the table and I fly up against the guys like oh I've got the uh, Lando's Millennium Falcon from the new Han Solo film or I've got these guys from the Star Wars Rebels uh, TV series. Mm. So you have this, everyone's like favorite stuff just coming up. It's like, oh, these my favorite guys against your favorite guys. Mm. And you, yeah, just cruising around. You've got your, each ship has its own unique capabilities. Like the, uh, the TIE Fighters don't have any shields, but they are really fast. The X-Wings have shields and are a bit faster. The Y-Wings are slow as anything <laughs> but carries so much like torpedoes and bombs and whatever else that makes up for it uh so you have that variety the versatility you can put all kinds of things onto the table and yeah just put your own unique spin on things so I've, i really enjoy that and i've warhammered it up and invested <laughs> far, too, far too much money in these little plastic but these ones come Pre-painted, so yeah. that's one less thing I have to worry about. <laughs> so I, I have a friend who plays X-Wing, and he moved from Warhammer to X-Wing, specifically with the idea that he goes to events, he, he decides he needs something, he can buy whatever it is, open up the box, put it on the table, and it's ready to play, yeah. which is not something you can do with Warhammer. Because then you've got to spend hours <laughs> painting it, and then you put it on the table, and in my experience, you watch it die very quickly. Oof. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good. <laughs> but uh, that's the appeal of X-wing as well. It's just like the idea of these these fantasy battles. Saying right, so I love Poe Dameron, I love Wedge. Let's put them in a squad together and see what they do. That kind of thing. It's it's, it's exactly that. You've and you have all this the huge, the vast amounts of lore that comes along with Star Wars. Mm. Like so, the original trilogy, all of the films. Then you've got all of the books, the the computer games. Um, Kyle Katan flies around in the Moldy Crow. I know that. <laughs> I love Kyle Katan. <laughs> Anyone listening to the podcast uh, will know I love Kyle Katan a little bit too much. So yes, but yeah. So you have all of these, all these things feeding into this one product. And Fantasy Flight Games have done this great job of always updating. So that when the new films or the new TV sh- uh, comes out, a new ship will come along with it if mm. if their pilot is available 
<laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I've touched on X-Wing and I need to play more of it. But once again, that's another thing for me to spend money on. So <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely consider. I've got the starter pack and I've got the Moldy Crow and that's it so far. And that's not enough. So I'll definitely be uh, in to buy some more X-Wing models at some point. Uh, Andrew. Sure. <laughs> um, we talked about wastes of money. <laughs> um, so my my next pick is, I think I have to take back what I said about Magic being the oldest game on either list because poker mm. is going to be much older than, than any boxed or, you know, off-the-shelf modern tabletop game. But, um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of losing huge swathes of money in gambling sprees, but um, but I do like to play poker. It is um, it is it is brilliant game that seems to have this like vague mysteriousness, at least for me, kind of like chess that no one no one's a hundred percent sure mm. on the origins. There's about a hundred different rule sets. Uh, it's in umpteen films, and it's got this kind of like mystique surrounding it. Um, but the game itself. Um, it's really good. I like that the the way that it only makes sense if there, you know, if there are odds. Mm. Have you ever tried? You know, you're camping or whatever. You don't have any money or any chips, and you try playing poker for for but not betting anything. Yeah, yeah. And you just go, well, I got all in <laughs> <laughs> every hand, all in. And as soon as you introduce, even you go, okay, well, everyone play a, pay a pound in, and we'll play with pennies. As soon as you do that, everyone's like, I bet. <laughs> and it has this brilliant mystique and it sort of teaches uh, at least from like a game design standpoint it teaches the importance of having something to lose mm. and um and that aspect of it the, the game's pretty simple and if you're looking for fun complexity on the table then poker isn't it but it, in terms of social gaming which is a big reason why i like tabletop gaming mm. it's probably the best out there because you can spend a couple of hours whittling away um, at a poker game and still be on a fairly level playing field in it, but you're having a great time. So you know, get some get some refreshments in there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't have a huge amount to say about it, but I think um, you know, it's maybe a slight disservice to the cafe as well. Is seeing that a you can't gamble in here; it's not allowed. <laughs> and b you know, you could play poker, but we don't really have any poker stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I love the game. I feel like it's a good way to initiate people into into games in general because I think a lot a lot of people from outside the, the hobby are going to say X-Wing that's cool <laughs> <laughs> but people go hey poker that was in James Bond <laughs> I, was, um, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that the movie element of poker is something that really interests me if you want to create any kind of tension mm. introduce a poker game yeah. where the person the antagonist is sitting opposite from the protagonist yeah and it's just a battle of wits and eyebrow raising and yeah and in good in good poker movies they'll have mm. like he'll be one card of a straight and the yeah. other guy will be two cards of a flush in a bad poker movie the bad guy will have four aces and, <laughs> and the good guy will have a royal flush <laughs> it does always seem to work out for james Bond, yeah. well, <laughs> despite being uh, drugged halfway through the game so yeah, yeah. um I think, though, I mean, it spawned a ton of other, particularly mm. bluffing games. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a load of, of card games and bluffing games that owe a lot to poker. I'm yeah, sure, so. yeah. And to move, to transition, if you are looking to transition from poker into some more like board games, mm. tabletop games, games like um, Sheriff of Nottingham, um, where you, you bluff and there's a money and a card element in that, um, or some of the more hidden role games mm. that are bluffing orientated, like uh, Resistance or Avalon, or werewolves. I think a lot of people play that um, 
as like a more social game. But yeah, there's a real transition from the from the bluffing um, strategy element of poker as well. As well, um, I didn't mention learning some of the statistical mm. um, things about poker is a good way to learn more about games as well. Because so many of the games, you know, played on a tabletop with a roll of the dice or a draw from a deck are all about statistics, or at least under the lift the curtain, it's just statistics. Um, <laughs> So poker's a good way to learn that as well. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Uh, what you got next then, Elliot? Uh, well, yeah, it's another card game. Uh, my one is Monarch. Uh, it's flew under the radar a little bit. I found out about it from watching a YouTube playthrough of it. Mm. And I was like, this seems like a great game. Uh, the basic premise of it is you are f- four uh, princesses. The queen has declared that the princess with the greatest uh, court is going to be the next queen. So you have to you have to work together to build up the kingdom, but at the same time get generate gold and food to purchase cards from a communal marketplace. Uh, attempting to collect uh, suits. Mm. So there's the red suit of might. There's the blue suit of wisdom. So you can be go all in on wisdom. Or all in on might, and these cards will work together to give you points at the end of the game. The most, most points will win. But because there is this communal element, everyone's feeding in their resources into the middle so that everyone can get more resources out of it. Mm. There is also a communal marketplace, so everyone can see the cards that uh, are available. And if you know that the person next to you is going all in on the blue cards, and the marketplace is full of blue cards, mm-hmm. you clear the marketplace so they can't get any of them. That's uh, interesting. So it's like, a, it's like a drafting game, but with a twist. Yeah, I guess it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, you have the, the full deck of uh, all the cards that are going to go into your courts, so courtiers or dresses or fabulous things to show off with in the royal p- palaces. Mm. Uh, and yeah, you you can declare for one suit or the other suit based on these banners. Uh, but then taking the banner means that you're tying yourself to only collecting one color. But and yeah, so I enjoy the artwork. It has mm. some really nice card art, and just the way again uh, the way these different cards will fire off each other. So you'll take one card which multiplies based on the number of other specific cards. So I've got one guy, he's the Beastmaster. If I get a load of other animals, that's going to get me some mad points. If I get no other animals, <laughs> he is worthless. <laughs> he's not good as a barista then, no. Not as such, no. No, no just, just the beast. No transferable skills no, yeah. in Beastmastery. Um, short CV. Yeah. <laughs> he is literally just there for the beasts, as it were. <laughs> Uh, and it's also fun to say, break it out for when friends come around and you've got, you're wondering what to play. And it's like, all right, so this game, uh, we're all princesses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a shift away from the traditional like board games. Like, oh, we're all industry magnates or we're, we're all like Medieval hero. farmers, usually. Yeah, medieval <laughs> farmers or like great heroes and stuff. It's like, no, you are a princess. You are collecting things for your princess court. <laughs> you you are trying to be the prettiest princess that ever was. It's to quite be a short the game then. Uh, yeah, it, I mean it's it 
ends with it's got a fixed end point of when you when one person has seven cards everyone gets one more turn and then you're done and then you mm. you do points okay. uh, so in a way it could be you could really drag it out but it ends relatively quickly 20 minutes 30 minutes so it's a nice quick very easy to easy to explain game because it draw it has a couple of different of these elements that people will remember or be able to associate with so it's got suits the same way that a regular deck of card will have suits hmm. so you can use these little points to pull people in and say it's just like such and such also okay. princesses excellent so, <laughs> so what was it the first drew you took uh it was watching uh these guys on youtube playing yeah. it i was like this this is a good game hmm. uh it's a simple game i'm just gonna throw some money at it it's, and the the artwork as well was appealing. I'm guessing you were saying yeah. So like as there, so as, yeah. the, as as they were playing through it, you got all these shots of the mm. cards, and you had the various players talking through their moves. Mm. And so yeah, I like seeing the art, seeing the design and the concept of it as well. Like it's again far removed from the traditional, uh, like the idea of what a board game is, mm. or the, uh, or the idea of what the hero in a in a game would be yeah excellent excellent i, I didn't even i hadn't even heard of it until until mm. it was mentioned to me so me neither no one has it's really <laughs> weird it might just exist just just for me in the it's, back i mean of it's, my it's mind, real right, right? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, game hasn't existed for 20 years <laughs> <laughs> Um, just, just undercover working with Fox Mulder to figure out whether it was actually real or whether it's a big cover up um, Andrew yeah. <laughs> next game my next game is the only the only board game on my list <laughs> um, is uh, Discworld Ankh Morpork by uh, Martin Wallace uh, based on the the Terry Pratchett Discworld universe I don't know how familiar you guys are with it um, it's the reason I picked it although I love more or less everything about the game is it's a really good example of how theming in a game is really important. And it is, uh, it's brilliantly themed to the universe. The way the game works is you've got this map of Ankh-Morpork, which if you've uh, read any of the books or engaged or the films or TV series, then you will know that um, a lot of the stories revolve around this, this big London-esque city called Ankh-Morpork. Um, and it's a map of the city and it's split into 12 regions and it's about area control and um, underhand criminal world dealings and making money and building houses and um, becoming the most influential person in whatever your personal objective is. So you either your objective would either be to have control over a certain amount of the city or to have hands and enough pies or um, <laughs> to have oft enough people or stuff like that. Um, so it's really cool. And each of the cards, so the, the game works where you have a hand of cards, super simple. Each turn you can play one card. Mm. Sometimes that card says, play another card. But you play one card to start with anyway. Um, and all the cards are themed to look a big different character or a setting or a plot point from one of the books. All of the art is done by the same illustrator who did the art for the books uh, and the art books that they've done um so that is a real lovely piece of fan service um it is in my mind the it is it's monopoly-esque which <laughs> some people in the board game community might take as an insult but <laughs> but in that it is a buying and trading estate mm. game but it's so much better like <laughs> there's no um 
There's no roll and move mechanic. Uh, it's it's more nebulous, like the instead of everything being arranged that you know, Old Kent Road is next to Chance and Go. Like the regions will border five or six other regions, and so there's lots of intersection between the players um, and things happening mm. um, in the game. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say about it, but yeah, it, it is really fantastic. So unfortunately for big Terry Pratchett fans, it's only really done a few, very few number of print runs, mm. um, which um, makes the game quite valuable in that it's hard to get hold of. Um, my copy at home and the store copy have been so played that they are no longer <laughs> um, that valuable, which is what I love to see because I think it was a game that, you know, is made in Terry Pratchett's lifetime. Mm. Um that it deserves to be played and it is is really excellent. It's a good transition game out of um, maybe you're playing Monopoly, you're playing Risk or whatever. It's a good transition game into some more serious tabletop gaming, but it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. As with any of the Discord That's stuff, about saying, yeah. it's pretty light. It's pretty light going. Um, yeah, I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Great finish on the pieces, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> a bad thing to say about one of your favourite games. Uh, yeah, it's unusual that. It's unusual. I'm trying to find like a constructive criticism, but I guess I guess my only criticism would be if you don't like the Terry Pratchett universe, you're gonna you're not gonna like it. So before I play, I need uh, to read a lot of books and watch a lot of TV shows to, to get the most enjoyment out of it. But anyone can enjoy it regardless. Like Terry Pratchett is once again uh, another notch here uh, off my, my nerd card, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> is another area I'll where I've just... Away yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm losing in the rate of knots. Um, it's another area where I've just completely missed. Mm. Uh, everyone else in the pod, they have whole conversations about Terry Pratchett and I'm just going, yeah, sure, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, that's yeah. great, yeah, sure. Yeah. No idea. But um, Yeah, I, I unfairly place value on different cards just because I, I like the character depicted on it. So I love that, though. There's a, there's a Moist Von Litwig card... <laughs> which I adore, which, it, granted, is quite a good card in the game, but he's also, you know, one of the best characters in this, in the franchise, if anyone knows, from uh, going postal and the other one, making money. I love that, though. I mean, the the, the idea of, of a franchise tie-in game is surely to... Mm. The reason you picked it up is because you love the franchise in the first place, and you're going to play the cards that relate to something that you've enjoyed from yeah. the franchise anyway. So yeah. that, that makes total sense to me. I like it. Uh, Elliot, we go next. Uh, yeah, I've got Baron Park. Baron Park is is a shape placement game. I would I would say <laughs> you I are think tableau builder. Tableau is the, builder is, is the, the technical term. Oh yeah. Ah. Mm. Okay, so it is a tableau builder. You are constructing a park full of bears, uh, based with these various shaped pieces, and again, it's. One of these games that I pick out for being uh, very easy to pass on to someone else. Mm. So you, you say, hey, these pieces look a bit like Tetris pieces. You know how Tetris <laughs> works, right? <laughs> We're going to join them all together on this, on this square. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're taking these score pieces and not score pieces, trying to fit them all together to maximize the space you take up and planning moves ahead. To fill out your board and then the four, three other boards that come with it. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really like it. I think mm. the one of the best things about it is that you said it's transition. So a lot of people have played um, patchwork or um, blockers, mm. where with shape placement with tetraminos and whatever. Um, Baron Park is a good like multiplayer transition out of those. Um, 
I like the I like the theme as well. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm a massive Chicago Bears fan, and as a result, love Bears. <laughs> love Bears. So, so, I, <laughs> so I've actually played this one because it's got bears in it. There's a <laughs> there's an expansion with bigger, badder bears in it. Oh, I'm in on which bigger, is, badder bears. Um, pretty pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Talking defensive linemen yeah. rather than, uh, than linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem that you run into uh, that I found that some some people that I've played with have been very intent on like, oh, I, I have to make my bear park look like a bear park. So like the, the path has to lead up to the to the enclosure where I've got all the koalas. I need to put the koalas next to the... Are koalas bears? And they're oh. not at all. And the, 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 the rules go into this though. Don't worry. <laughs> wow. Lots of picnic baskets as well, I'd imagine, for the bear parks. As well. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it also adds a very interesting concept, though I don't really play with it myself. I find, it, like, again, the, it limits, it t- cuts in on the simplicity and how to explain it, but it puts uh, achievements in, which is mm. a very video game concept. So you can go through it and you say, if, you, if you've built the place with the most pathways, then you get an extra bonus card at the end of the game, which is worth more points. Mm. Very few board games take this very video game concept into account of like if you put if you do this thing, mm. which won't necessarily help you at the time, but if you do it, it will get you more points at the end. Mm. I guess it's it's like some games do personal objectives, like Sagrado. You have like a personal objective, but it is very much like you might stumble into some of the achievements more so than others. Um, I, I like the achievements. I don't think I. I think now I've played it with them, I wouldn't play it without them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But if you have to explain it to someone, it's easier yeah, to explaining just... Explaining is easier to leave out. This bit but... comes later. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I, thought, I, I think it's a lot of fun. And it, it was the bears that drew me in, admittedly. But when, <laughs> when I started playing, I, I really enjoyed it. That's one of the few games I've, I've actually played here. More on that later. Uh, Andrew, uh, next game then. Yeah, my next game. Uh, this, is, this is game number four, right? Yeah. Good. Right. So my next game is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I've heard of that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The big one. Um, another uh, Wizards of the Coast property. They also do magic. Um, it, it. I don't know what to say about it. It doesn't say for itself, but I will anyway. Um, again, it can't be the magic. Can't be the oldest game on the list <laughs> because Dungeons and Dragons is from the seventies. But I guess this edition, the fifth edition, which is the one I love so much, is only from you know the last five years mm. or so. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore it. So if you don't know, Dungeon Dragons is a role-playing uh, storytelling game where you have one person who's the dungeon master, the moderator, mediator of the game, and then uh, a few other players, usually about three to five, who are the player players. And it's like using Elliot's video game analogy. It's like playing an open-world video game like The Witcher or Grand Theft Auto or something, but as a tabletop game. Um, within reason, your players can do whatever they want mm-hmm. of whatever they can think of rather, confined only by their own imagination, which is cheesy, but confined by uh, a rule set, which is large and binding, but but leaves room for like the creative interpretation of the world at large. Yeah. Um, and it's so versatile. You can play in your own world of your own creation using the rules from the book, or you can play in um, the, the flagship world, which is um, the universe is called Forgotten Realms and the the... The main area people play is called Faerun, mm. um, and yeah, like like uh, styles like magic, it has its own deep lore, and mm. people love to talk about the I don't know the the day of reckoning and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But um, 
but I mainly play it. I mainly play it in the cafe actually, mm. um, as part of Adventurous League. Um, I, I do ask you about that. Yeah, so. do a lot of um, DMing for new people. I love Dungeons Dragons with new people. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people don't have that experience, but I'm lucky enough to always be playing with new people that yeah. have like a different interpretation of how that particular character archetype should work, or a different reason why their fighter hasn't got any parents um but like <laughs> the yeah the imagination that comes out of people the creativity the like that sometimes the, even the showmanship that you mm. see on the table is it's just brilliant and the even as i usually play i'm usually the dungeon master really the mm. player and sometimes you find yourself so caught up in the world you know it's a bit of a trope a bit of a cliche but you end up like having conversations with yourself because because <laughs> one npc one non-player character has met another one and you have to voice them both and it's just it's i've, I've played with elliot i've played adjacent to dan I've, you know, I've, i think it's probably the game on the list that I've, oh maybe not but uh more on that that i've put the most hours into um and there's a limitless amount, like I say, to it. Maybe I'll just... My, my favourite class to play, mm. wizard. Um, favourite race to play, uh, gnome. So mischievous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would recommend... Like Magic the Gathering, I think, if I had to recommend any game on the list, it would be play Dungeons & Dragons. Just it's, try it. It's it, really big right now, isn't yeah. it? Like, it's huge. You've got these uh, streamers, uh, like Twitch streamers or YouTube... Um, mm. playthroughs and stuff where relatively famous people mm. or famous within their own spheres uh, yeah you got like Felicia Day mm-hmm. Vin Diesel he did a he did a Ice tea d and Diesel yeah, <laughs> yeah Ice, Ice tea did the uh, narration for some of the Dungeons and Dragons audiobooks yeah Dan so. Harmon although not playing not technically playing D&D it, was, it did like an adventure quest mm. type campaign that got very big yeah um, Harmon quest isn't it mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. Yeah, there's loads of podcasts out there. I mean, I I, I don't play D and D itself. I play something, as you said, adjacent to D and D. But but I do listen to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, and hopefully another one too. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. um, but uh, it, it's improv storytelling, and if if people can get, if you don't have to have a massive amount of experience for someone to have an interesting idea of what a character should do and what a character should be like, and I Precisely. find that really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and how they react to just random situations because <laughs> a lot of a lot of the time they have to react to something completely random. They're rolling a dice and it's either going to go well, it's going to go badly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think the the dice rolling is a, something that that draws people in that mm. that element of chance. Um, you know, the cafe D twenty board game cafe is named after that that mm. f- famous twenty sided dice that I don't think I'd be wrong saying made famous by role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. No. I don't think anyone's using a, a 20-sided dice for much else. Um, but yeah, that... that Will you be successful? I don't know. Roll the dice. It's, uh, every, every decision has like an element of the unknown to it. I think it's what people keeps people interested. I like that you don't really have to spend a ton of money on it, but you no. do seem to be able to find a you way can. to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the basic, so much so, the basic rules mm. are free. Yeah. They're online. You can play with just the basic rules. Yeah. Um, the books, they're really well produced, but they, you know, they're, they're a bit more money. And then you can, then, then the floodgates open. We've got <laughs> DM screens, dice, minis, people, I've seen people with projectors, screens, <laughs> that people play online with mm. all sorts of software. Um, so yeah, it's one of those you you can you can sit back with 
10 pages of notes mm. and play for six hours or you can double down on the biggest setup you've ever seen um, and spend hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah it's, <laughs> it's a spectrum yeah. I love it I, I'm, I, I need to get into Dungeons and Dragons itself is what I've decided you I'll, should I'll, I'll, I'll pop along someday. <laughs> Uh, Elliot, next game. Uh, yeah, so drawing in on the role-playing element that uh, Andrew talked about, uh, my one is Firefly, which <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not necessarily a role play game, but I find that it lends itself so well to uh, narrative creation. So you, the basic premise is you are a ship captain similar to the main character from the TV series and film Firefly and Serenity. And you have to fly around in your beat-up little spaceship and pick up cargo on one planet and then take it to another planet or go and maybe rob some guy in some other place and take that to another place. But in doing so, you are putting together a crew of nefarious individuals <laughs> <laughs> to, to assist you with these various tasks. So you'll take... Uh, you'll go and you'll find a medic and the medic will be very good if you get shot or you'll find a pilot and the pilot will be very good if you have to run away from something and you're given so much freedom to pursue your own personal uh, path towards the whatever the objective is for that game that you're playing so uh, I have a friend that I play with and he will not even attempt any kind <laughs> of uh missions until he has completely kitted out his like a full crew and an upgraded <laughs> ship and extra guns and <laughs> by which time the game is over by which time <laughs> the game is over yes <laughs> and so you yeah you as you're playing it all of these little tiny stories come out so we had another friend who was suffering the worst luck and his spaceship kept getting attacked by space pirates and the space pirates in Firefly are also space cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> so when they board your ship, they eat your crew. <laughs> but this then led to the thing of this ship captain never had to pay his crew because you don't have to pay dead people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so a whole narrative strung out from this. Of don't this buy as much food either. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so this, this whole narrative came out of this guy like, oh, I'll, I'll just hire on some more mooks for my crew. Off we go again. Oh, they all died. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, I love the Firefly universe in general. It's from, what, 13 episodes in a movie. It created this incredibly fleshed out universe that felt very lived in. Yeah. And the game continues with that as well. No, it is It is a great game. Obviously, it draws on all of the uh, all of the people from the TV series. Mm. And then you get the, the add-on and that adds the people from the film. You get the other add-on that adds the people from the comics or whatever mm. else but doing all these add-ons it becomes huge yeah the game it's the standard game is already probably too big to play on most normal tables <laughs> uh so it's a it's a real dining room table job mm. but then you get another box and it adds a whole other third of a board and then another box i have this third of the board to the other side and you've Jeez. got decks upon decks upon decks of cards so you've got so much choice this would maybe the one thing I could fault it for you you're given just so much resources <laughs> that you fight you cannot possibly find space to pull mm. all this stuff down so you own all these boxes and then you just play with the basic one <laughs> <laughs> it comes with like a bunch of painted ships as well right 
it comes with a bunch of unpainted chips. Unpainted chips. You're free to paint yourself. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't got around to doing that yet because I've still got 300 Imperial Guardsmen I need to paint at some <laughs> point. So, but it's, um, it just, it, they obviously sat down and went, what do people want to do in the Firefly universe? Well, they kind of want to be Mal Reynolds. Okay, then be Mal Reynolds then. Fly your own ship around, do these missions. Don't necessarily have to be a great guy doing it as well. So. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, you are a Mal Reynolds or you are Mal Reynolds adjacent. But yeah. as I said, the freedom that it gives you, and more often than not, the person who wins the game is the person that didn't go off and do like daring mm. train heists or bank jobs or things. It's the person that just did... Those space trains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. space train heists. Exactly. <laughs> the, it, but the person who wins is the person who just went from one planet to the other and just picked up like normal completely legal cargo and delivered it to someplace else mm. and then did that again Boo. and then just <laughs> just just quietly did that while everyone else is just getting space murdered and space arrested <laughs> space <murdered. laughs> then you've got this guy this, this like quietly chugging along oh i'm just gonna deliver this completely reasonable foodstuffs to this planet oh look i've got paid and nobody died <laughs> to the space bar Yes, yeah, okay. I suppose, but then they, they're giving up. To get really nerdy, but they're giving up their morals. That's not you know. Mal Reynolds is a brown coat at heart, and he'll always do something that will uh, will annoy the elites. Yeah, but it's it's. But just, they're, they're it's, just how, it's just how you play it. They keep flying. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Yeah, uh, fifth game then. Last game. Is it is it flying if it's in space? Space flying. Space flying, yeah. <laughs> More like floating. Um, anyway, fifth game. Yeah, my the game I've left till last uh, is not a board game, but very much in that, in that genre. Um, a game very near to my heart. I think it will come as a surprise to no one. It's um, Donald... I don't know how to say his surname. Vaccarino? Vaccarino? Uh, his 2008 game, Dominion. Uh, Dominion is a card game, a deck building game, uh, kind of the deck building game, the first in the genre, um, and s- still the best in the genre. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm confident in saying that. Uh, many have come, and there are great deck building games. Mm. Uh, Legendary, Clank, um, I don't know, deck building, the deck building game. Um, but yeah, Dominion is, is fantastic. So the, the, the way it works, each player starts with a deck of... 10 cards and from that you draw a hand of five cards uh, you start with seven cards that represent uh, money like a gold piece and three cards that represent your growing dominion your estates uh, and on your turn you play uh, cards from your hand and you buy new things to grow your dominion um, they, like a courthouse or a chapel or uh, a wood woodcutter, something like that. Um, and each of these cards has a new ability um, and will f- feed into your dominion. And at the end of your turn, you discard any cards that you played, bought, or that you still have in hand. You draw a hand of five new cards, and eventually you'll end up with a whole deck that's different to the deck you started with, that you've built on. Uh, you draw, again, five cards from that, and this time you'll draw your woodcutter in your chapel, and they'll do new things to your deck. And the objective is to build the... The, the dominion with the, that generates the most points and sort of fame um, than any other player in the game. You play two player, three player, four, uh, it goes up to six. Um, and it's dear to me for a few reasons. So it is a fantastically mechanically brilliant game. When it came out in 2008, it won um, Game of the Year. It dominated game groups for a long time. People 
adored it. Um, anyone who was playing any other card games like Magic the Gathering, like Pokemon or whatever, stopped to play Dominion. It was it was it was a mm. big hit. Um, but for me, it was one of the first games that got me into board games. Mm. Uh, a few friends owned it back um, when I was like 13, 14, I guess. And I was, I was abysmal at it at first. But I was, I was so hooked mm. on getting better, doing these combos, slimming, because you can, uh, as well as gaining cards to your deck, you can trash cards from your deck to slim it down to have that perfectly efficient brilliant deck and I was I was so keen on doing these different strategies um and then thirdly when I went to university two my two housemates one of which to pure coincidence was already mad into dominion mm. the other of which we fully enveloped <laughs> him into the fold and we played hours and hours and hours of it and we collected between us every expansion we played every card we we played our own you know we put a spin on the rules to make to, to mix it up we had um tournament days there's only three of us we had tournament <laughs> days um but yeah now i own i own all but two expansions i've built custom boxes for all of it i've got every card sleeved i've got promos for it it is it is sort of a little bit my board game obsession i <laughs> yeah i love i love dominion um i always say it's the best game in the cafe whether you know whether that is objectively true <laughs> is unimportant, but I I, 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 I do claim it's the best game in the cafe. But yeah, I love it. How often do you play it then? Less often than I would like. When I was at yeah. university, as like I said, playing it, had friends that we would play it at least weekly, yeah. at least weekly. But um, now usually I go through like a big burst, and I'll play <laughs> like eight games in two weeks, or like eight sessions in two weeks, where I play a few games at each session, um, and then then I have to put it away and <laughs> undo the fatigue um but yeah a, a few three or four times a year i go into that burst of playing it and getting people to play it i'm sure it's not a competitive thing but would you say that's the thing you are really good at as well i am i am quite good at it now <laughs> i think even if i hadn't tried to get good at it just throw you through i think any game you learn hmm. you learn the, the ins and outs of it um, we had a we had a store championship here. We do have store championships for a few of our games, mm. if you're interested. But um, we had a store championship for it here, and I was I was happy to play second because I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to go to my own event and then win it and then it would be a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I was happy to play second, but it, it was it was a really good uh, tight tournament actually. Mm. It came down to two tiebreakers yeah. because we had finished with the same number of wins, same league points, and this um, it had to come down to victory points, and there was only like three points in it or something so um yeah so it's a a game that's consistently tight like you rarely run away with the game so i think everyone around the table always enjoys time there's no uh a lot of games you take your turn Mm. you wait the 45 minutes for it to come back around the table then it's your turn again dominion it's your turn every every few like every minute like the turns are quick um and you're you have to then shuffle and reset your deck and so there's always you're always doing something which i like as well Excellent. That sounds really good. Remind me never to play you at it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Lock someone out. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll play it. Just, yeah. uh, Elliot, last game then. Yeah, last game. Uh, this one is a real nostalgia deep dive for me. Uh, it is the game Ocean Trader, which trade oceans. You trade whole oceans <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, you you are a ship captain, if I remember correctly, because I have not played it in years. 
you are a ship captain and you are... Sure you're not thinking of Firefly. Well, yeah. <laughs> Is that why you love Firefly? Because you like being a ship captain. I, I, I just... Yeah, you're... A, I just enjoy ship captain games. You are you are a ship captain uh, sailing the ocean blue, going to various ports to pick up the thing that that port produces. So you go to a port, you'll pick up some cotton, and you go to another port, you pick up some sugar, and you need to find a place where you can sell that product for more than you bought it for. And the markets will shift and change. You'll say, oh, there's a demand for sugar in this specific place it's like oh i've got sugar right now go and so you have to race over to the other side of the world to deliver your sugar to the Bermuda or something well they wouldn't need sugar at all they're in the caribbean <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway the reason why it has such a place for me is uh the personal feelings that i have around it because it's a game that i would play pretty consistently every year when i went to visit my relatives in Australia so we would all go there uh, our family would go and visit them we would all sit down at least once or twice and we would play this game and this was a key touchstone from my childhood like I didn't I wasn't very good at it I was a child and I was like oh but it was, it was such a fun game and it was like I have such happy memories of it that it ties in so much in, with this like just as, as I said hitting the nostalgia mm. part of my brain uh, unfortunately, my uh, aunt that we would stay with, her entire house was flooded. And with the flood, the board game went as well. The board game has gone out of print and will... Oh, I, no. I, will, I, will, I will probably never play that oh, game again. No. <laughs> but from, from the ocean it came. <laughs> to the ocean it has been written. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> the irony was there, yeah. Uh, but... And I, as an adult now, maybe I would come back to it and I'd be like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> You're rolling to move a sailing ship. Oh, the, this gameplay mechanic doesn't work. But so in a way, maybe it's for the best that I, it, will ne- it will never be played again because it just exists <laughs> in this little bubble of nostalgia for me. That it's like, oh, that, the, those happy memories of the entire family get together playing this, this ocean trading game. <laughs> Do your family called Ocean have Trader. A game that they've replaced Ocean Trader with? No, because they weren't really big board gamers. Oh. That was the thing. They had they had they had this this was the one game that wasn't the standard like boggle, monopoly mm. or whatever. So I don't at an early age I already established that I didn't really like Monopoly. So I was like, <laughs> can we play this? Can we play the ship game again? It <laughs> sounds really good. My family had this game from the thirties called the Bicycle Game which my granddad decided was too easy, so he wrote new challenges <laughs> on the board, like go back to the start, lose everything. <laughs> Come on, granddad. That's solid fair. But surely Firefly is probably scratches that itch, I would imagine. Yeah, it, I, I, get, I guess in a way it does. It, it upgrades the ocean ships to spaceships, mm. and it upgrades the picking up sugar in the Caribbean to take to China. They don't do sugar. <laughs> uh, so it upgrades that to taking... You know, space sugar to mm. space China. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that Joss Whedon. Maybe we can see through it now, 16, 17 years on, that he just added space on the front of everything <laughs> and, and then tried to get away with it. But, you know, it seems to work. So yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah. Excellent, guys. So, five board games each. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about the D20 Cafe again? 
Like where uh, they can find you. Yeah, we're here, um, 87 Queens Road, Watford. Um, go to www.d20cafe.co.uk and you'll find our beautiful website or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're, we're all there. Mm. I wonder, Elliot, if you had to pick one of those games on the list that you... To you play know, forever. To play forever or like, you know... Or to burn in the fire. You know, have you ever heard Desert Island Discs when, you know, <laughs> your discs are getting washed out to sure you've got time to grab one, which one do you grab? Oh, boy. I mean, like, you're really hitting me. I, I've just been talking about a game that I've lost in a flood. Oh, and you're like, I'm sorry. So, so if a flood so came in, and took all the games... So insensitive of me. <laughs> would you grab Ocean Trader? Because it <laughs> I, I, I would I would conjure Ocean Trader from the abyss to play it one more time, maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If I, if I had to play one more game, I'd probably put pick Firefly simply because it, it scratches so many different itches as a previous as previously established it it has cards with good art it has trading and it has cool narrative so yeah it it scratches so many itches i would i would have to pick that one mm. definitely i think for me it's, as much as i feel like it's a disservice to dominion maybe even magic D is like so much in one it feels like if you had one wish, I'd wish for many wishes. But like <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is is encapsulates so much, so many different ways of playing and different games within a game that it would be it'd be foolish not to pick Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I think you I think that's the one that would keep you sane on a Dungeons as well. <laughs> well, if you're on your own, maybe not. <laughs> what do you do next, Mr. Pineapple? <laughs> Winston, it's your turn. I mean, Wilson. Always got the reference right. <laughs> Winston. <laughs> Winston. Not Winston. Wilson. I think Dungeons and Dragons is a, is a sensible choice, at least. Um, although the, the dice might wear down eventually. Maybe. And they might not roll on the dead. Carve yourself a new dice. There you go. <laughs> Coconut. I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you want to contact us, too much time on our hands. We're on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, not Pinterest, I've got to say that, or Tumblr. Definitely got to say that after the last pod, um, which is uh, at TMTOH and all of those. Uh, Thank you for listening and watching. Um, Back again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.